Hello, and welcome to the Football Outsiders Radio Hour on Twitch. Not on the radio and not always exactly an hour, but always talking football with the Football Outsiders crew. Hello, welcome to Twitch. I am Aaron Schatz, the Editor-in-Chief of Football Outsiders. Uh, As you know, we are here every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 Pacific. And that Pacific uh, will be important this week because of our guests, We have super exciting news because Football Outsiders Almanac 2021 finally dropped this week. Raise the roof. All of the hard work that we've done over the last three or four months has finally come to fruition. And here to talk about it with me are Mike Tanier and Vince Verhey. Hey, guys, welcome to the Radio Hour. How do you guys feel about the book being done? Happy book release week. Happy book release day on print. And Vince... Amazon Amazon released today, absolutely. Yes. Vince, do you get to sleep now? Uh, I got to sleep uh, Monday. Okay. <laughs> and then, uh, we, uh, we've, uh, there's been a long series of meetings since then. So, um, yeah, um, I, I will get to sleep in August, I think. <laughs> You'll sleep when you're dead, like Warren Zevon once said. For those of you who don't know, Vince does most of the editing, editing, editing. Like the layout. Uh, the layout and the layout, formatting yes. and the proofing and things like that of the book. So, you know, I get to turn in my chapters like <laughs> and wait for them to get yeah. kicked back to me. And the next you've been you've been done for like three weeks. <laughs> right. He, right. He Just makes... sit back waiting for this, you know, enjoying my, the accolades while you've been like respelling all the words properly in my, in my chapter. Vince makes sure the tables are all lined up correctly yes. and that the italicized lines are italicized and the headers are headered and that everything looks right on the page and has been doing that now since we went independent in 2009, which means this yeah. is your 13th layout. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty remarkable. Right. Good news. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I've uh, learned something each year, so it's, it's, it's slightly less painful. And uh, I haven't had to do an all-nighter in now, now two or three years, so that's wonderful. Congratulations. We've that's got it amazing. down to a bit of a science, and we got it out earlier this year than we have for a few years. Yeah. I was looking back over the release dates on Amazon for the past books, and this is the earliest we've had it out in quite some time. I think since for some reason 2013 was earlier than this, and then it got later, and we had a couple years there where we weren't getting it down until August. Ooh. Yikes. Ooh. This is much better. Yes, we still sold some, but this is much better. (laughs) Thank you, useful title, for your congratulations in the chat. Yes, congratulations on the book release. So we're here today to talk about everything Football Outsiders Almanac related. Um, First of all, we should talk about what's new this year. And there's nothing new in the book. What's new is how you access the book. So the main way to access Football Outsiders Almanac 2021 is through an FO Plus subscription. And the FO Plus subscriptions are on sale right now. So for just a dollar a week over the next year, that's $52 total, you can get an FO Plus subscription for the year. And that comes with all of the the Kubiak preseason projections tool and the in-season weekly projections and the fantasy, uh, all kinds of fantasy analysis tool that we're going to be releasing over the next few weeks and the Football Outsiders DVOA database and the Almanac. And the cool way we did the Almanac this year is that the 32 team articles are actually their own online pages. You can read them in the PDF also, but you can have them as online pages that are easier to read on your device with all the tables and all the comments, all the unit comments, everything that comes with the chapter and comments, uh, discussion threads afterwards. So you can actually talk about the chapters with other Football Outsiders readers. So that's the new digital edition. And I think that's a really cool addition to the book this year. Absolutely, absolutely. And it really follows the way you want to use the book. I know I, I'm, I ordered my, uh, my print copy and I bring it with me to the pool and I keep it with me when uh, watching preseason games. But we're sitting at our desks or when we're sitting with our device out. The PDF was great. The PDF isn't what we want. That's not how we use the devices nowadays. I want to be able to pull up the chapter. I want to be able to see everything on that chapter the way I would just pull up a Football Outsiders page now we finally get to do that. So hopefully in the future, we might be able to do the uh, player comments. So the college sections and sort of the similar way, but this year, like it's, it's 
uh, the chapters uh, link to each other. Like when we mention a chapter, like you can link to that chapter and go read that other chapter and they, and it all links around. Yeah, we're still kind of learning how this works. It's, it's, this is a new world for us. Uh, the 32 team chapters was our goal, and I think we pretty much accomplished that goal. Um, next, our, our next item on our agenda is probably trying to figure out how to do the player comment chapters. Um, as online pages. Yeah, totally. And, and, and this was hard. Like, we have to admit, like, every time <laughs> when we proofread and we discovered all the ridiculous, stupid errors that we had, like having apostrophes in the wrong places, Vince yeah. had to go and make changes twice. So, right. yeah. Right. Still, um, a buck a week. Buck a week for all of this, folks. I, yes. I, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir because if you're watching us right now, you've already ordered yours. But if you're listening, this is your first time unbelievably low price for this almanac and an entire year of all the other stuff we were doing. Yes. If you're listening, cause we know we put this up on YouTube, we put it up on all of your favorite podcast apps. So you may be listening after the fact to the radio hour. If you're not an FO plus subscriber, like we have so much cool new stuff coming down the pike. You'll want to get it now so that you can get this deal. But if you don't get it now, you're going to want it in a couple of weeks when we introduce all of Scott Spratt's new fantasy tools, <laughs> yes, like yes. searching players by expected touchdowns. Uh, it looks like we're going to have in-season uh, receiver plus minus nice. for the first time. And yak plus, yak over expectations will be updated in-season. So uh, that's going to be pretty awesome. Thank you, Zalem. If I, I have no idea how to pronounce that for pointing out that the FL Plus subscription is an excellent value. And uh, we definitely want to get everybody on board with FL Plus this year. We're going to have so much good stuff. So let's talk about the Almanac and all the cool stuff that's in the Almanac. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think were your favorite chapters. I don't know how much Mike has been able to read so far, but of course, Vince. Um, oh, Everyone. Dan, yeah, Dan Collins. First of all, I have to point out, Make sure you share a link to our show by clicking a little tray with an arrow in the bottom right corner. And that'll allow you to share a link to our show with all of your friends. Get all of your friends watching the FO Radio Hour on Twitch, having a conversation with us. The best part about doing the Twitch thing, rather than listening to it on YouTube or a podcast app later, is that you can be in the chat room talking football with us and asking questions. So we want to get as many people on Twitch as possible every Thursday, 1 p.m. And then we did uh, our first shot at a fantasy show last Tuesday. And uh, in August, the fantasy show will be coming back with every Tuesday at 1 p.m. doing right. fantasy football in the preseason. So yeah, let's talk about the book and how much of it you've gotten to read so far. Vince has obviously had a chance to read the whole thing. <laughs> but which chapters really stood out to you? Which were your favorites? Go ahead, Vince. You you say you read the whole thing. I read the whole thing. Okay, I, I got four four chapters I picked out that really stood out to me. Um, my favorite chapter this year was Brian Knowles' newest chapter, uh, which conveniently is our sample yes. uh, available to view free to view at footballoutsiders.com. Yep, New uh, York Jets. If you go to New York Jets from the Football Outsiders Almanac menu, even if you're not an FO Plus subscriber, you will be able to read the chapter. You can, I believe you can also go to Football Outsiders. Go to teams then jets then almanac i think that will take you there as well um i thought he uh it, it's a, a perfect mix of of, of humor and analysis mm -hmm. uh didn't let one get in the way of the other right it's colorful it's flavorful it's entertaining but it's still smart it's educated you'll learn something by this um i thought it was harsh where it needed to be harsh but fair where it needed to be fair um this you know the, the jets have not been good for a while they were terrible last year and one new quarterback and one new coach are going to change that overnight um you know that I think I can spoil this and say the Jets are the bottom team in our projections. And <laughs> if you read this chapter, I think you'll say, you know what, that makes sense. That 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 fits. So that that was my favorite chapter this year. Um, and then when you are talking about the best chapters in any given edition of Football Outsiders Almanac, the first thing you have to do is which is your favorite Mike Tanier chapter. Um, and as much as I love a good shot at Mike McCarthy, um, <laughs> <laughs> it made it hard to pass up Dallas. I loved what Mike did with the Cincinnati chapter, comparing uh, the, the mistakes they have made to an archaeological dig. How you, you <laughs> must you. go back multiple generations of, of football to understand how many bad decisions they have made and explaining why they're still making bad decisions to this day. Um, I, I, I like that one of the things we do is uh, it, it, nothing happens in a vacuum. 
Uh, they, every team is, you know, every, every season is part of a longer chapter for each team. And uh, putting this stuff like that in, in historical context, historical context is one of the things Mike does great. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, thank you for writing it, actually. Uh, I liked Derek Klassen's Denver chapter quite a bit. Yeah. Um, when he gets into Vic Fangio's defense with Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller and now Patrick Sertain, how they all fit together, that's some really, really good X's and O's, personnel yep. fit, scheme fit stuff. I thought that was that, that, that was some tremendous stuff. And I had one uh, one more. Oh, yes. Uh, Rivers McCown's uh, uh, emo, emo blog post on the Houston Texans. Which <laughs> 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 is... Sometimes this stuff goes beyond personnel and coaching, and and there's there's a uh, a problem like a fungus infesting the entire the entire organization. And <laughs> as the tagline says, perhaps the most depressing franchise in the Big Four sports. And I can't call it fun because right. it is, but I can call it good. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Lusk points out that the GBOA is really high in this broadcast, that being gray beards over average. And I oh. do have to admit, this is probably the most gray that anybody has seen on Twitch in a long, <laughs> long time. <laughs> cut uh, screens, maybe, and cut screens of video games. There are, there are Jap Japanese RPGs where characters have gray hair, I guess. But other than that, this yes, is the yes. most gray that anybody has seen on Twitch in forever. I usually keep my my beard trimmed shorter, so it's not quite as plain. But I'm, get, I'm getting a haircut later today. I'm going to trim it then. So come next week when we all get together, you see a whole new side of Vinny. And and Aaron, you're going to when we're on the Jody Mac show next week with Jody Mac and John McMullen. It is, it is, the, the show is so dad. That show is so dad that we have to start by saying Dire Streets is the greatest band in the world. Well, I have to explain what Twitch is, the Jody <laughs> Mac show. Um, Bill, Bill Houston says the football almanac is like a football oracle, and he loves the quarterback and running back capsules uh, where we let the creative juices flow, riffing how easy it is to be a bad lifer backup quarterback in the NFL. It's, <laughs> it's actually not easy. To no, be a bad, right. you have to be a pretty good quarterback to be one of the, to still be one of the 64 best quarterbacks in the world and be able to be an NFL lifer. Right. Uh, for those who just, uh, just to tell you, we're joking about it. We're all going to Louisville next week. Uh, Edge Sports, which is our parent company, is headquartered in Louisville. And we will be getting the entire Football Outsiders staff. That's the three of us, the full, full timers. So the three of us and Scott Spratt are all getting together next week. And yes, I will be, it's being mentioned in the chat, I will be on Good Morning Football on NFL yes. Network. We're doing a bunch of uh, press next week for the book. And the big TV appearance is Good Morning Football on NFL Network. That is next Tuesday morning at around 8.40 a.m. Eastern. So oh, if you want to come see me kibitzing with Peter Schrager, and Nate Burleson, I'll be doing that next Tuesday at 8.40 in the morning. Uh, Mike, did you have a particular chapter that stood out to you out of uh, what you've read of the book so far? Well, I want to echo the praise for Rivers' chapter on Houston. It, it, it is tricky because it's such a fraught, uh, you know, such a fraught chapter. You have to touch on Deshaun Watson. You have to touch on Jack Easterby while being fair about it. Uh, you know, Rivers does a phenomenal job, really digging into particularly the, the, the Easterby situation, all of that incredibly well in an entertaining way. Yes, it's emo, but you, it's got to be emo. It's the Houston, Texas. And, uh, and, your, and your praise for uh, the Broncos chapter as well. You know, one of the things I enjoy about the, the, the Almanac is that we can all do different flavors of stuff. I would not yes. go as detailed on X's and O's as, I'm sorry, who was it? Was it Brian? It's Derek, Derek Klassen. And I love, uh, I love to... Um... I love to have Derek do a different division every year so that we, we switch up which ones he yes. gives that X's and O's uh, uh, concentration on. Right. And then you get this detail about the defense I wouldn't normally think of, think of to do, but is incredibly informative. And, and, you know, so what you were saying about my things, not to toot my own horn, but I don't get to write about the Bengals offensive line as a, uh, as a seven year rolling catastrophe, any place else with football outside, you know, yes. I, I could write Mike McCarthy jokes and Dak Prescott is going to be awesome. I did that in the Cowboys chapter. I could have done that at Bleacher Report or other stops, but the ability to go deep, like go deep on the, the defensive scheme of the Broncos like that, or go deep, like, uh, like uh, Rivers got to do about Easterby. That's 
football outsiders. And all of us take our different turns of it. And we all got different strengths and weaknesses. It's not like, you know, one hipster sitting in his basement writing the whole darn thing. It's like a whole team of us. Dan's column on the Eagles. Yeah, Dan Pazuda, who is yeah. sort of a guest writer for us, writes a lot also at Sharp Football Stats, and he's done the book for a couple of years. I always wanted to get him involved. And, yep, he did the Eagles in Washington this year. Yeah, I think he did an excellent job. It's another fraught situation because it's hard to talk about Carson Wentz and sort of the things that were kind of going on with him and all the things that went on at the end and, and the Howie versus uh, Howie versus Lurie versus uh, Peterson. I'm forgetting yeah. everyone's name because they're, they're, they've gone. <laughs> And he does a great job of that. And then pivoting into all the stats about uh, about Jalen Hurts and the ups and downs of that and the, and the, the low levels of TVOA went, went through. So so I, I enjoyed those chapters a heck of a lot as well. Uh, Mason L52 says he loved grabbing the Almanac and Sharp's book in the same day. Yes, you got a double dose of Dan Pizzuta. I don't know yeah. if Dan, I don't know if Dan did anything for Sharp's book, but right. uh, you can absolutely buy both, and I bet you Amazon's going to put them together in a package. That's nice, my guess. Nice bundle. Um, I liked, uh, I will say, just to give people an insight in how editing goes, in the original Denver chapter, the stuff about the cornerbacks was last. And we were like, this is yeah. like this is the best stuff in here. Like, we had to move it earlier in the chapter. We had to right. lead off the defense discussion with it. Because the stuff about how the new cornerbacks, Fuller and Sertain and Ronald Darby, fit in to the what uh, Vic Fangio wants to do on defense is so good. I really yeah. liked the Arizona chapter that Vince did. Thank you. I thought it was a really good yes. description of how the Arizona offense got stale and broke down in the second half of the year. Right. I think, Mike, I liked your Baltimore chapter a lot. I think it did a really good job of pointing out that Lamar Jackson's inability to throw passes on the sidelines is not just a talking point. It's a real mm -hmm. thing. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I get stuck in that sometimes where it's like, Oh, if you criticize one of the, this guy, you're this, that, the other thing. No, if we criticize this with the stats to back it up and the evidence, then, then we're doing good. We're doing good thing. We're doing the right thing here. And, and, and that's what I try to do in that chapter. And the other is uh, I really liked Tom Basinger's uh, Tampa Bay chapter. Yeah. Where I think he makes a good case. And by the way, Rivers kind of makes this case in the Tennessee chapter too, um, even though Tennessee's not doing as good a job of it. But he really makes the case. Thomas Basinger in the, in the Tampa Bay uh, chapter talks about how the Bucks built this team before Brady got there. And mm -hmm. then talks about the value of, overloading your cap in the short term yeah for yeah. short-term success even with with oh dan pizzuta says hey guys hey dan we hey, like the philadelphia <laughs> chapter long time um, to see man uh he talks about like uh, overloading your cap in the long term because the fact is like in 2022 their cap hits spike for guys like shaquille barrett and levante david and Vita Via and dead cap void year charges kick in for Nadama Kong Sue and Rob Gronkowski. And then 2023, there are void years in Brady's contract and things go completely nuts. Right. But when you have a 43 year old or however old Tom yeah. Brady is still playing at such a high level, go all in for the short right. term. And he makes the good case. And Rivers kind of makes the case in the Tennessee chapter that that's a little bit what Tennessee is trying to yeah. do also with yeah. like the Julio Jones trade. Right. And that, yeah, you know what, even if you have to endure a couple of years of suffering when the cap charges come due, right. flags fly forever. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. yep. that's the line from Joe Sheehan of baseball prospectus, but it's true in football too. You know, your Lombardi trophy, you always get, you always get the banner that says you were Super Bowl champions. Go yeah. all in for now. Die broke. Die broke. You know, and yeah, the alternative of that is, is like, I mean, I look at the Dolphins. I don't know. Like now, they're, they're, there's this thing with Xavier Howard and things like that. It's like suddenly you're a playoff team. You have like six million first round picks. You have all this cap space. You got Tua under. I don't know what Tua is, but he, you guys thought he was something. Don't start messing around now to say, well, we have to sustain this for another eleven years here. You know, um, go on the attack, go on the offensive, and yeah. try to build the team that you can be within, within reason, within parameters. Etc. And yeah, the Buccaneers absolutely did that. I hope, but especially with an older quarterback. Yeah. Like when you have someone like Brady, like you've got to go, you've got to maximize. And I, yeah. I, I love my Patriots, but they didn't do that with, you know, 
as much as they could have. Although I will say the argument that they didn't give Brady weapons never quite holds water because they did try to, they just right. drafted, drafted really badly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right. right and they would go they would cycle through every old receiver that would come in and right. you know, see if they had anything left they were doing stuff like that yeah and the titans are kind of the same place maybe you got one year of derrick henry left you got one good year of him left you got Tannehill and this lightning in the bottle situation you've got two teams that suck and one team's got, got mr sensitive a quarterback in your division go go attack 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 and that's what they're doing mason l52 says off the top Aside from Houston, obviously, and Detroit, presumably, who else are our early bets to be picking in the top five next draft? Well, this actually is going to get into the main of what we wanted to talk about, but I'm going to start by, here are the, top, here are the five teams with the lowest win projections in the book, right? The Jets, mm -hmm. Houston, mm -hmm. Jacksonville, Atlanta, and Carolina. Mm. Detroit is the sixth worst. Right. Any questions on those? I mean, they seem, I guess Carolina would be the, the iffy one. Well, I mean, I, there's a story you can tell, I think, for both Carolina and Jacksonville. You can tell right. a story where coach and uh, quarterback come together to take a big step forward. Either with Jacksonville, it's either that Urban Myers, it works in the NFL for him at first before he completely loses his locker room. <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence has an awesome rookie season and they have a very easy projected schedule. Right. Or for Carolina, that Sam Darnold really was completely wrecked by Adam Gase. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that Joe Brady is a genius offensive coordinator yeah. like he looked at LSU and that you put those two together and they take a jump forward. So like, I think you could tell the story, but I don't think anybody's expecting either of those to be a particularly good team this year. I guess the other question would be, okay, Matt Ryan provides yeah. a certain level of base competency with a new coach and some better luck on defense to get out of that bottom five, not to get in the playoffs, but no. to get out of that bottom five. But I don't know. Somebody's got to be down there and they're as good a team as any to be in. Uh, useful title says shocked that Philadelphia is not in the bottom yeah. five. They are seventh worst. Right. There's, there's only five teams in the bottom five, everyone. They can't all be. <laughs> no. But I can see, I can see with the enthusiasm around say Carolina because of not necessarily Darnold, but because around rule and some of the things they're doing saying, wow, I, I would expect the Eagles to be below that because there's no enthusiasm. Yeah, I know, but there still are some players there. I mean, right. there's still Fletcher Cox and yes. there's still the Jason Kelsey or Jason Kelsey, however you pronounce it. Kelsey. Maybe it's Kelsey. Travis, it's Travis Kelsey, but it's Jason Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah. My brother and I do that. Why not? You know, pronounce I'm going to go with Kelsey. Right, your brother pronounces it Tanya, right? Yes, he does. Yes, really? He does. See, I've been, I've been, I was calling you Mike uh, Mike Tanier for the first like 10 years I was working with you because we never spoke. Uh, That's correct. Thank you. Mason L52 <laughs> says their mom has confirmed it is, in fact, Kelsey. Okay. Now that um, I think about it, there, there's there's lots of ways to pronounce Verhai and Verhai as well. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the curse of an uncommon name. Stephen Colbert has the same thing where his whole family pronounces it Colbert, but they yeah. decided to call him Colbert when he was on The Daily Show, and that just stuck. <laughs> um, so we wanted to talk about places where Football Outsiders is different from the Vegas lines, and I think we're going to start where, where Football Outsiders goes over the Vegas lines, and we right. should have a graphic for this with the teams, the seven teams with the biggest difference where football outsiders is over the Vegas lines. Now we should talk about the basics of this. Cause here's the basic. Our simulation is more conservative than Vegas. So right. in general, the best teams come out lower and yeah. the worst teams come out higher. Mm -hmm. So that's just part of how it works in our simulation. And it's something that I've, I need to sit down and look at. I've looked at in the past and I always need to sit down and look at more like is the equation that we use to figure out when team a plays team B, how often does team a win? Like, is that too conservative? Like are, do we need to have the worst teams lower and the best teams higher? But one of the things you'll find on our list of the teams with the biggest difference between um between uh, Football Outsiders Almanac and Vegas is that a lot of the lowest teams in the league are on that list. 
And that's and that's headlined by the Detroit Lions. So uh, the Detroit Lions are at 7.2 average wins in the Almanac. And Vegas has them at five. Right. Uh, But we also have here the other ones that sort of fall into that same bucket. Uh, The Texans are at 6.7 and Vegas has them at five. The Jaguars are at seven and Vegas has them at six. And the Bengals are at seven and a half and Vegas has them at six and a half. So I would certainly understand why you would feel that our projections are a little too conservative and that you wouldn't want to go over on those teams. But let me ask you guys, between Detroit, Houston, Jacksonville, and Cincinnati, which team would you feel most comfortable going over the Vegas line? Where where do you think that the Almanac being conservative is probably the most accurate? Well, let me ask this. I mean, I see 2.2 for the Lions. 2.2 wins. A 2.2 win difference, right? Difference, yeah. Yeah, it's 7.2 is our projection, and 5 is the Vegas projection. That's like 40-something percent over the line. It's a lot. I want to play it right now. Talk Talk me into it or talk me out of it. I think talk, <laughs> talking you out of it is that Football Outsiders Almanac has always been too high on the Lions. I don't know is what true. is in the water. <laughs> it's not like there's some kind of Lions variable in the system, so right. I don't know what it's doing. The other talk you out of it is if you believe that Jared Goff really, really sucks. I think a lot of this, and we'll get to the Rams in a little bit because the Rams are the flip side of this. We're yeah. lower on the Rams than Vegas. I think a lot of this is how much of a difference do you believe there really is between Goff and Stafford? Because if you're looking at statistics, there just isn't a very big difference between them. Last year there was, but three years ago, there was the opposite difference. Goff was much better than Stafford in 2018. And then in 2019, Mm -hmm. Stafford was better, but only in half a season. So just how much, and how much you believe Goff was a product of the system is really a scouting question, not a statistics question. And so I don't think a statistical system can pick up the question of like, is there's our graphic, uh, pick up a different, uh, pick up the question of like, will Goff completely wreck the Lions? Talk you into it. If you believe that Matt Patricia was a particular soul suck, of the souls of the Lions players. And that Dan Campbell is the kind of guy you want to run through walls for. Then don't mm-hmm. you believe that the Lions are better than we've seen the last two years and therefore should be likely to win more than five games in a 17-game season? Hmm. Yeah, I like that, especially since I think Campbell's full of beans. But there are our routine. <laughs> but they're beans, that, they're beans that the players want to eat. Angry beans, yeah, yeah. You, 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 especially the early, the early stages of that, the rah-rah stuff before there's any real adversity, he starts chewing people out for real. I can see that giving a bump, and also at least it is positive as opposed to just the thuddingly negative, self-promoting weirdness of Patricia. So that makes sense, and and they're they're projected to be like middle of the road defensively. I mean, they're gonna, they should be pretty decent on defense. Is that the case? Yeah, I think uh, that they're middle of the road defensively. They're, no, they're bad on defense. They're 30th on okay. defense. They're actually kind of middle of the road offensively. And oh. that's where the whole how good is Goff really question comes in. Like, are we missing something? Does Goff really suck? I don't know. I, that 2.2 over the over has me wanting to reach for my phone here, but I'm not convinced. Vince, what, what do you got? Uh, as far as the Lions go, I, I, I'm, I, I think Aaron kind of summed up everything there. Um, mm. I, I, I'm more a believer that Goff and Stafford are a lot closer in quality, mm. than, obviously, than the Rams believe. Um, yeah. and, and I'm looking at the one thing that, that makes me hesitate about that is I am looking at their schedule. And we their look- schedule is hard, especially if Rodgers is not traded. Their schedule mm. is hard. Yeah. They got the NFC West. They got the AFC North. Um, and the, the other teams in the division are not terrible. Um so yeah, it seems like it could be a lot of variance there. Um, the the team that of the, of the six or seven that Aaron sent out that I immediately said yes, I think we're right about that one. Actually, is New England. Um, oh, that's getting in. That's getting into the other three teams. So just to introduce the other three teams for people who may be listening to audio, the other three teams we have better than Vegas that are not necessarily an issue of our system being conservative are Denver, mm-hmm. New England, and Minnesota. 
And I think New England, Vegas has them in nine wins, which is a bounce back. We got them in 9.8. Um, and I just think with, they have so much talent coming back on, uh, on defense. Um, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm glass half full is the nicest way to put it on, on, mm-hmm. on what they can do on offense. Um, I, 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 still, I, I still think Cam Newton is a useful NFL quarterback, just not in the traditional sense. <laughs> but, but Bill Belichick is really, really good at getting the best part out of players. Um, and um, maybe Mac Jones ends up starting. I don't know, but I, I, I just that that team to me and that coach to me seems like a team that's ready to contend for the playoffs again. Uh, I will say, out of the four of the bad teams that we have a little bit better than Vegas, so Detroit, Houston, Jacksonville, and Cincinnati. Both Zalem and Mason L52 think Cincinnati is the best bet to beat Vegas. I will point mm. out Cincinnati and the AFC North also have difficult schedules. Yeah. Both of the North divisions have difficult schedules this year, but you can definitely tell the Joe Burrow breaks out story. Like right. that's a realistic story to tell. Of these teams, the, the two with the highest ceiling are Jacksonville and Cincinnati. Because the quarterbacks have the highest ceilings. And the quarterbacks have the highest ceiling, and because and because they're young, they're still um, um, not known commodities, which means their ceiling is higher. Right. I guess Houston actually has the highest ceiling if you believe there's a possibility that Deshaun Watson plays for them this season. But right, our projections, right. our projections well, did not assume that that was a possibility. That's true, and I'd also point out they had Deshaun Watson last year, and they won four games. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as the other teams, yeah, New England. Denver, Minnesota. I don't know. What do you think about those? Thank you for following uh, us. 34 Midway Monster, by the way. And a reminder, you. if you're listening to us on audio only, that you should be watching the Twitch show at 1 p.m. Eastern because you can interact with us in the chat on the Twitch show and you can watch our gray beards as we're talking. <laughs> well, I'm not putting a dime on Minnesota Vikings way up at 8.5 wins. That's just, there's not, there's nothing there for me in this world. Like, how are you going to watch Vikings games and care about Kirk Cousins, you know, getting to nine and eight, which seems like where he will land and where we have him landing doesn't excite me. Scott's guess- chapter did not convince you that a bunch of regression is coming for the Vikings. <laughs> I'm no, it, it did not. And Anthony Barr saying we have a Super Bowl roster. Well, that didn't convince same- me of anything. <laughs> he's looking at the same roster he's been looking at for seven years. Like this is a Super Bowl. <laughs> roster. It's the same guys, Anthony, same guys, except for the really good ones who left by free agency. So I, I don't see that. The Denver is intriguing. Denver is intriguing. We're 1.3. We talked about Denver in the past. We're 1.3 above. And I, I'm just I'm the whole quarterback situation. I like Teddy Bridgewater, but I'm just skeptical of it. But we've talked about this in the past. Top to bottom, the roster does look like a, a roster of a, of a uh, wild card team, and you get it at a not wild card over under of 7.5 if you take it. I will say that what we did was half of our simulations were Teddy Bridgewater and half were Drew Locke. And there's a difference of like 1.5 wins between them. So if this was all Bridgewater, it would be even better. They, we have them with a top 10 defense, and even that might be too low. And we have them with one of the easiest schedules in the league. So, By the way, how unusual is it? Is, I'm sure in the past you ran that split before with teams that have quarterback contracts. Is, is uh, 1.5 wins a lot? I mean, is it? It's a good amount. <laughs> it's a good amount. So, if, I mean, it would be even bigger if I did it with Green Bay. Right. Oh, oh God. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But like, yeah, 1.5, that, that kind of overtakes the Elway, who isn't even like directly involved anymore as much, so to speak. Elway decreeing that it's got to be Drew Locke for the first six games. We've actually accounted for that in the, you know, in the simulation, so to speak, by putting a couple of Drew Lock games in there and letting them well, lose them. Yeah. <laughs> we, what I did was, well, the way the simulations worked were in half of them, I don't, I don't work the simulations where backup quarterbacks take over in the middle of the year, usually. Okay. Right. I did back when you had like the Brady suspension and stuff, but usually right, I don't. Right. So what it was was half of the projections, Bridgewater is the quarterback the whole year, mm-hmm. and half of the projections, Locke is the quarterback the whole year. Obviously, I could get more complicated and program in the possibility of backup quarterbacks in every week. Right. And that would right. get pretty complex. Right, and it would wind up in a lot of guesswork. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Denver and New England are tied together, by the way, by the – the adding and returning of defensive talent. So yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, last year, New England, for those who haven't seen in the book when we've written about it before, there's a variable in the projection system that's based on defensive talent added and removed above replacement level, which we've determined right. to be three AV approximate value for pro football reference. So last year, the Patriots lost more defensive talent than any team that we had tracked since 2003. And like by the time the COVID opt-outs hit, they had lost more talent by leaps and bounds hmm. than any other defense. And of course their defense crashed as predicted. Right. This year, the Patriots have added more defensive talent when you include not only all the free agents, but the return of Dante Hightower. Right. And the Broncos are fifth on that list when you include the return of Von Miller. Hmm. Hmm. I'm so getting, both, getting, both of those teams have added a ton of defensive talent this year. I'm starting to like the Broncos as a play on this over-under. Yeah, I mean, we really like – and then th and this over-under, our 8.8, .8 does not even include the small possibility that Aaron Rodgers gets traded there, in right. which case their over-under shoots up to 10. <laughs> right, right. Um. We should also talk about teams that we have under Vegas, and I believe we have a graphic for that as well. And again, you're going to see the same thing here where our system is just in general conservative. And the second team on this list, uh, oh, that's an interesting concept. Zalem says AFC teams are getting an extra home game and maybe Vegas hasn't factored that in as much as football outsiders. And yet, you're about to see on our list of teams where we're under Vegas, six of the seven teams are the AFC. Hmm. Yeah. So maybe we haven't factored it in enough. Um, I, I will say Kansas City is the second team on this list. And I think that that's an issue of our simulation. Just yes. Conservative. Yes. Like I would not put a bet on under 12 for Kansas right. City. I think our simulation is just being too conservative. Uh, but the other two teams, uh, the top team is the L.A. Chargers. And that is not an issue of us being too conservative because we're at 7.3 while <laughs> Vegas is at 9. So right. we're, on the, we're on the other side of 500 from Vegas on that one. And then the other teams with big differences are the Rams, the Browns, the Packers, the Titans, and the Colts. And I will, I will remind you, the Packers is all with Aaron Rodgers. The Packers right. is another one where I think the issue might be that we're too conservative, but they also have a really hard schedule. Well, I'm not touching 11 wins in the Packers uh, because the moment I would touch it, Aaron Rodgers would decree, you would show up hugging Gutekeist, you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they'd be like, like, like kissing each other and like declaring that, you know, their true love forever. Um I usually don't bet unders in general because I just hate rooting against a team for an entire year. You know, I want to kind of like go positive here, but Vegas at the, with the Colts at 10 wins. And I, again, I think we're all, I'm in a different place with what I anticipate from Carson Wentz. I'm with where Dan was uh, with, with Wentz in terms of him sort of like, like not being with the program. I would go under, I would go under with us at 8.7 win projection. And they, and I think our, our projection feels a little high. So and Vegas yes. at 10. You know, I, I like the looks of that. I, mean, I was shocked, by the way. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Vince. I was shocked that Vegas agrees with us that the Colts are the division favorite. Yes. Yes, that is strange. When we, we, we do a little preseason preview right, right before the season starts where we all pick which team do we think is going to underperform our uh, almanac projections. And I was glancing through projections, so just kind of spitballing which teams I might guess. And one of the teams that popped up on my radar to underperform, underperform the projection was the Indianapolis Colts. So when I got this email from Aaron last night, I said, we've got them at 8.7, which I think is too high. Mm -hmm. Vegas has them at 10. Right. I don't like to gamble on football. I, for me, <laughs> it takes the fun out of it when I have things to lose. But holy cow. <laughs> Hitting under on the Colts on 10 wins, I, I, I don't think I'll be able to resist putting some money down on that one. I will I say Carson Wentz is toast. The thing about Carson Wentz is there's never been anything like this. Right. Like there's never been a quarterback who's declined this much from average. Right. 
Right. Like the closest is Jay Cutler. Like when I did like I tried to do a comparison, like the closest I came up with was when Jay Cutler went to Chicago. Mm -hmm. But that was partly going to a new team. Like there's never been a quarterback on the same team who declined this much, not from being really good to average, but right. to go from average to the bottom of the league. So I don't think we have any clue what's going to happen with Carson Wentz this year. The error bars are just really huge. Like he could be just as bad or he could bounce back and be average again. Right. And, what, and what's interesting, I, we said I, we were surprised when, the, when the, uh, the house agreed with us about the Colts winning division. We shouldn't be because the house does a lot of analytics Vegas does a lot of analytics. And they're really good at their job. They're very good at their job. And they hide it, they hide it behind a, you know, in, in a black box. They do a lot of the same stuff we do. It's a little different flavor of it, you know, different style of it. So they want they're probably making the same kind of projections we are. And they see the Titans defense and they're making those projections that defense is going to be weaker than anticipated. And they probably have the same error bar and the same, well, Wentz's uh, you know, range of possibilities has all this good positive or okay stuff on this end of it. Um, but you know, that said, going with the gut, going with the hunch, that's just, that's a lot of wins for a team just replacing their left tackle as well. Uh, you know, so, yeah. Uh, no, I was just going to go to the chat go on with what you were saying about the Colts first. Yeah. They're, they, they're replacing their left tackle. They do not have a lot of wide receiver behind T Y Hilton here. All the things that were like, well, you know, if we're trying to explain Carson Wentz's problem, they had the injuries on the offensive line. And the receivers weren't, you know, what he wanted out there. It's the same thing. It's the same thing now in Indianapolis. I don't. See, I, I see a lot of prospect wide receivers, which is what I saw in Philadelphia. Tons and tons of prospect wide receivers uh, uh, that they I, were trying to move through. And I'm not a big Paris Campbell believer. No, I mean, not at this point. Not after two seasons. We got some interesting stats on Michael Pittman uh, uh, that are on the site right now. Brian wrote a thing about that, but. It's, it's still just a young receiver that had like a couple of good games along the way. So yeah, you put all that together. Who's this go to, where's this great upgrade in the talent around him? And I know he's got Quentin Nelson now. We had Kels and Brooks when Kelsey, Kels, Kels, Kelsey, Kels, sorry. A center. And, and, and Lane Johnson, et cetera here. So, so what has gotten better? Is it because like Frank Reich, uh, uh, you know, was with him when he was good. I, that's not enough there to make me feel like, all right, Carson Wentz has turned things around. Suddenly he's with the program again. Suddenly his confidence is back. Uh, I don't see it. I will say Rivers points out Vegas probably thinks the Colts and Titans are just going to eat on the Texans and Jags. Yeah. And Bill Houston says, it seems like the Titans will feast on that division, despite being an early exit playoff team. I mean, I think either way, Titans or Colts, I think the AFC South is going to be the worst division in the NFL this year. And whichever okay. team, whichever team gets into the playoff. Well, no, because the Titans were 11 and five last year. I mean, they yeah, weren't yeah, that sorry, great in DVOA, sorry. but. Last year, the NFC East was worse, but, but yes. over the past yeah. five years, though, I think, I think you find the AFC South was. Yeah, I think these, this year it'll be the AFC South, and I think whoever gets into the playoffs is going to get in at like nine and eight. Yeah, That's that makes true. sense. Um, that, I, makes, I, that makes those plays more enticing when you talk about it. My, my, I think the NFC East is going to be better than the AFC South this year. I think right. Dallas is going to be really good, and I think Washington – I think we might be underestimating Washington's offense. Yeah. You, you and I talked about this last time I was on um, – Washington was the team I've been higher on the conventional wisdom all year. Um, I was actually a little disappointed in how high they came out in our projections, which is like middle of the pack. Yeah, um, makes it a little harder to pick them to 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 overachieve there. But I think the ceiling is higher than a lot of people uh, um, recognize. I think a lot of people are just writing them off entirely, whereas I still think they're a, at least a strong wild card contender. Not because I'm a big Fitzpatrick believer, but I'm a big believer that Fitzpatrick can be average and he's got a lot to work with. Them. Uh, I'm a big Alex Smith slash Dwayne Haskins disbeliever. Yeah, they were so bad. <laughs> I will say the teams that we are under Vegas, the ones that I feel strongest about are the two Los Angeles teams. Like the one that I'm going to be talking about on radio shows for the next six weeks is Cleveland. Cause everybody's going to be like, why don't you have Cleveland as a Super Bowl contender? But right. the ones that I feel strongest about are the two LA teams. A lot of okay. it is, I don't feel like you can say that just because of what Brandon Staley did with the Rams defense last year, right. Means he's going to do the same thing with the Chargers defense this year. Right. But I do think you can say that it's likely that losing Brandon Staley 
is going to hurt the Rams defense this year. I feel like the Rams lose more by losing Staley than the Chargers gain by, by having him as their defensive guru. And the Chargers jumping all the way up to nine wins in Vegas. You know, when we talk about a, a, a Raiders team that's always competitive, when you talk about the Chiefs at the top, you talk about a Denver team that, yeah, if they decide on the right quarterback is a strong team. I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure where those nine Chargers wins are coming from. And I don't know how much of that is Vegas putting a number on a team that has a now has a famous quarterback yep. and doesn't have a huge fan base, doesn't have a lot of juice. And like, oh, let's put, let's put this out there as like a loss leader and see what the, what, what, what the you know, what the what the public does with it. Were you surprised that the Chargers did not bring in an offensive head coach to groom Herbert? 100%. And I don't know much about this Staley guy, except that, you know, he learned from Wade and therefore he's like the, he's like the cross between Wade Phillips and Sean McVay. And so he's the guy there, but like, that would be the number one priority. uh, In my opinion, once you got Herbert playing well is to bring in the offensive guy. One thing is this doesn't seem like the defensive guy who's like every other defensive guy who's going to be like, if you throw a commit a turnover, we're going to go get, you know, fits off the bench or whatever. I think it's going to be a little bit, more uh, uh, progressive than that. And I think that'll help her, but, but I, I'm surprised they went in that direction. He's supposed to be analytically friendly. Good. And we know that from a defensive perspective, he's the one guy who took over a defense and didn't come in going, we're going to be more aggressive. And we're gonna play. <laughs> like he's much more about playing the two safeties. And Bill Houston says, I know nothing about Staley, but he's still a better choice than Dan Campbell. Yeah. Well, I kind of, I agree with that. I think you saying. We make, we make, Scott makes a case in the Detroit chapter that Campbell was a good choice, but it's much more, Campbell is a choice that's all about the kinds of things that we don't talk about a lot in coaching, Mm -hmm. like motivation um, motivation and management of the locker room. And yes. And and given that Matt, Matt Patricia and what Matt Patricia meant to things like morale and motivation and management of the locker room, I, I, I can completely see why you would want to go in the exact opposite direction with that gamble. Right. It's just very, whenever we make the moment, he was a great motivator as a position coach and he gives great Gilthorpe speeches and therefore that that's going to work. I, I know it's not what Scott said for the record, or anything like that, but that, that's a lot of times how we do it in the press. Like, Oh, look at fire and brimstone press conference and all the tight ends, uh, you know, in, in New Orleans, everyone else loved him. It doesn't translate. It doesn't, you get to be good cop down to, you get to be super good cop at position coach. And then you get to be okay cop at, at, at coordinator. And then you have to be the hard ass at the, at the coach level. And, and those things don't necessarily level up and level down with that kind of personality where you're like, rah, rah, just boom, bah, get out there and run through a wall. So that's my concern with Campbell. But again, we're basing Staley on the same thing. Well, he says nice things about analytics and he doesn't say, you know, stop the run. The well, win the we're, game, so. we're basing Staley on what he did as defensive and, coordinator in one year. He has a sure. track record. The problem sure. is his track record is one year and had Aaron yep. Donald. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Rich coach was like a good coordinator one year after Gruden, you know I mean? So these things happen, you know? Um, so, and the other thing about the Rams and whether we have the Rams, you know, by having the Rams under Vegas is again, is the whole, how big is the difference between Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff really? Right. And, and I'm, I'm, go- I'm going to admit something now, yes. which is I actually, there is a variable in the system that predicts quarterbacks without trying to take into account like their team based on their past performance. Mm-hmm. And that variable is pretty important to the projections because it, it measures what happens when you go from like Tim Tebow to Peyton Manning. Right. And I tweaked Goff and Stafford manually. I made Goff lower and Stafford higher so that we would at least a little bit like match the public perception that Stafford is better than Goff. And it didn't matter. We still came out with the Rams a lot lower than Vegas. So our system is what you're saying before you did a little bit of tweak. Couldn't see enough of a difference between the two of these guys. Right. Would have had the Rams before I did the tweaks. We would have had the Lions higher and the Rams lower. It's fascinating that we've been watching Stafford for 12 years, 13 mm-hmm. years, and we're still completely all over the place about this guy where I think a lot of us are like, well, he's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback who's played for a long, long time. Yeah. And you'll get these opinions around the league about this you know, titanic individual and, and like the, the, the fiercest, most talented guy in the league. 
and, and it's hard to it's hard to jive them sometimes. Like I heard, like well, what a huge upgrade for the Rams. Like I missed the part where the Lions have been in the playoffs eight straight years because of this guy's impact. I miss that that he's this guy. It's I'm, not I'm, like I'm, he hasn't had receivers, by the yes. way. Yes, right. Megatron, Golden Tate, Galladay, Marvin Jones. <laughs> he's had a right. lot of talent. Um, I, 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 I'm honestly, I'm baffled. I, I can't explain what the Rams are thinking. I can't explain. Uh, and I say this as a guy who had some very harsh things to say about Jared Goff last year. Um, right. I, I, I think, you know, the, the ultimate description of Goff, Ben Muth wins the championship here. He's a human judge machine. If you tell him <laughs> where to throw and give him time to throw it, it will be a perfect pass to that spot. Right. And if he has to ad lib something, or if that guy's not open, things can go haywire very quickly. And Stafford's more, uh, 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 much better out of out, out of system is that the right word um yeah much better improvises much better but again he's been around for 10 years he's been a average to goodish quarterback for all that whole time he's had he has not this is not an rt manning situation where it's a complete clown show around him um right. i i i, I I, I'm, I'm mystified as to why he's kind of viewed as a savior here. I, th- I think the ESPN that they just did yeah, that, that poll of, of like people in the league, like 50 different people in the league. Mm-hmm. And didn't it come up with Stafford as like sixth or something? Very like, high. Like the idea that Stafford is the sixth best quarterback in the league seems crazy to me. Right. I, and I don't, I don't see it. And I, I wonder sometimes when you get that poll, when you're the GM or when you talk to the person, in the GM, like, well, I have this headcount of what a great quarterback is. And, you know, for me, a great quarterback is proven. You know, has proven he could get it done so you don't put Dak Prescott on there or you don't put somebody else on there. Maybe that's what's going on. Or it's like, well, based on the absolute tools and the arm and this sort of thing, yeah. put him in there. I can't, I can't put together a stack that has Stafford fifth, sixth, no matter which criteria you use, proven, tools maybe tools but even then if you're like if like it's running ability is part of the tools it's not there i don't see where that comes from this actually gets us to the other thing we were going to cover today and we're not going to do all of these guys today we'll we'll end up leaving some of them i think for next week um but we wanted to go through some quarterback yardage over unders and see what we thought about them and so let's start with stafford because this is not all the quarterbacks in the league i was the, the 17 quarterbacks that i found on some website (laughs) <laughs> Stafford, if you if you prorate Stafford to 16 games last year, and, and you have to end up projecting for like 16, not 17 games, because that's what Vegas is doing. They're pricing in the possibility of an injury. And Kubiak, mm-hmm. our fantasy projections do the same thing. Right. But Stafford only projects to like 4,084 yards over 16 games last year. Mm-hmm. And he's over under is 4,700. And I will say Kubiak comes out pretty close to this. Thank you. Yeah. T-Slip says uh, is now following. And he, we'll get to Josh Allen in a moment. Um, but Stafford, Kubiak gets him at 4640. Yeah. But I don't know. 4,700 is a lot of yards. I realize that's a good offense and they like to throw the ball a lot. But that is a lot of yards for a guy who had 4,100 last year. I'm looking at the other end at Goff. And we're 300 yards over. We're at 4,309. 259 yes. yards over the OU, 4,015 yard, 50 yards is a low number. Now, I know the receiver, actually, I don't know the receivers there. It's a bunch of guys named Quentin Cephas or whatever. Uh, but that 4,050 yards, if you think the team's going to be bad, you think the quarterback's going to be throwing the ball a lot, and the quarterback's going to be throwing a lot for 17 games. Goff, I, I, I'm, I'm enticed by the over under at 4050 there for Goff, going over that. Uh, how much do you like T-Slip, who just uh, followed and says he may have to unfollow because of the Tom Brady picture? Sorry, sorry, T-Slip. <laughs> how do you like the Josh Allen total of 4,500? Now, here's the amazing thing. Last year, Josh Allen, 45-40. Hmm. So if you're projecting, again, these over-unders seem to project about 16 out of 17 games. They project in the possibility of an injury losing a game. Right. Allen actually ends up being projected very close to what he was at last year. And his Kubiak is 44-73. So his Kubiak is also very close to what he did last year. So I don't think that this Allen 4,500 is as good a bet as T-Slip may think it is. I agree. No, that, that, that seems one. Um, it's right. On the line. Um, what yeah. the, the funny one that jumps out to me is 
Aaron sent us a spreadsheet. Uh, I, just to repeat this, it has for, for the selection of quarterbacks, their Vegas over under, our Kubiak projection, and the pro rated per 16 games yardage they had last year. And Dak Prescott per 16 games, 5,900 <laughs> yards. <laughs> and it reminded me to look at one of my favorite stats. Uh, Dak Prescott, you recall, started, started and finished four games last year. In those four games, he finished first, second, and fourth in the league in single-game yardage last season. <laughs> right. His his 17-game projection, if you say he's healthy, was like 6,500 yards. It breaks every record. It's nine miles, yes. He's not going to – I don't think he's going to be throwing for as many yards. Remember, those were the games like that one against Cleveland where they had to right. come back and yeah, the Atlanta yeah. comeback. Those were all like we're losing in the second half crazy throwing games. Yes. Uh, it, it, there's obviously a lot of uh, – well, plainly a fluke some flukes in that but but after after looking at the over under i was surprised we ended up with kubiak coming out with him under yeah kubiak comes out with him at about 4800 yeah but you're right on the number here the number's the number if you're on the number you know i I, i'm reluctant to to touch it if i'm if if we're sitting right on the number that means you know we're all seeing the same thing um roethlisberger uh, uh, really stands out on our numbers here. That's gotta, one where Kubiak is very different from conventional wisdom. Kubiak sees a little bit of a bounce back. Right. I think Scott was talking about it on the fantasy show on Tuesday with Danny Kelly. Yep. Um, you, you talk about being able to tell the story. I can tell the story of Ben Roethlisberger throwing for a million yards this year with it all being yak. Yep. And it just being short pass, short pass, short pass, short pass, because he's got to get rid of the ball quickly. Now his running back can catch a little bit. He's still got all those receivers. And I can see him not having a spectacular season in terms of what he accomplishes on the field, but racking up numbers and, and definitely blowing past 4,000, 4,000 again, 17 games. This is a guy who could get hurt, but has zero chance of losing his job, losing his job. Right. Yeah. Especially with Mason Rudolph as the backup. Oh, like, still. They're, not, they're not going to Mason Rudolph. Rod, I, I, do or die with Roethlisberger. I, I can see a world where they re- relive last year's wildcard game against Cleveland many times where he's throwing <laughs> 70 passes in a loss. My favorite of the over-under yards and the spreadsheet I sent you is Patrick Mahomes. His yeah. over-under is 50-50. Yes. Last year, if you prorate to 16 games, 50-56. Right. Kubiak, 50-58. <laughs> right, right. You are who we think you are. Avoid that bet. (laughs) So I will point out for people who get the almanac, and again, reminder, the show is celebrating the release of Football Outsiders Almanac. If you've joined us just in the last few minutes on the Twitch show, Football Outsiders Almanac is in stores. By stores, I mean you get it from (laughs) footballoutsiders.com or Amazon. Amazon Arrow is the store. You can get it at Arrow Postal. (laughs) Get in there. You know, buy it at Hollister. Size extra small blouse. Urban Outfitters. <laughs> Urban Outfitters. And you get a, 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 book a bunch of dudes with gray beards. <laughs> and the Ann Taylor loft. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, uh, now I've completely lost what I was going to say about the book. Oh, in the, um, in the player comment, we give 17 game projections for quarterbacks. But in the fantasy appendix and in the Kubiak projections online, there are these 16 game projections that price in the possibility of an injury. Right. Right. So my last word on the over-unders, I I, I did say that I think Carson Wentz is toast. and I still think that's true. But like Mike said about uh, 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 Roethlisberger, I don't think Wentz is so toast. He's going to lose his job to Jacob Eason. So he may may be one of those guys who racks up a lot of yards in losses. So yeah. And um, sitting down at 37, 50 and you're right. You can't have a backup quarterback who's a threat to him because that's, that's all she wrote. Uh, So, right. Uh, He could, he could sit out there and and goof off and throw uh, shallow crosses to Paris Hilton and and Pittman and, and, and get you over there. Five yard completions on third and eight, all the way to fantasy football championship <laughs> he is going to be your failed completions champion for 2021 <laughs> lots of paris campbell crosses all right yeah. all right thank you everybody for watching on twitch.tv slash fb outsiders thank you for everybody who's listening on your podcast apps uh paris hilton or paris campbell mike do i say paris hilton 
I, I missed did, it. Look, did you say T Paris Hilton or or T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell, and out comes Paris Hilton? Then you're gonna rock <laughs> me on that. Come on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the FO Radio Hour. Football Outsiders will be back next Thursday, twitch.tv slash FBOutsiders at 10 uh, a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, live from Louisville next week. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for downloading the podcast. Please go out and subscribe to FO Plus. Get your copy of Football Outsiders Almanac. Uh, apparently, we have to call it Lullaville. Louisville. Lullaville? we're gonna learn how to pronounce it next well kelsey didn't kelsey go to louisville or no they went to cincinnati they went to university of cincinnati which is near louisville all right thank you all for watching we'll be back next week i'm aaron schatz signing off with mike tanier and vince fair thank you all we'll talk to you next week